0: Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Tom Marvin, I'm Senior Technical Editor here at Bike Radar and at MBUK magazine as well. Joining me remotely through the magic of Microsoft Teams is Alex Evans. He's another one of our senior technical editors. How are you getting on, Al?
1: Yeah, great. All good here, Tom. Thank you very much.
0: Lovely stuff. And we've got Luke Marshall, our technical writer again, a bike Radar and UK How are you doing, Luke? I'm very well, thank you, Tom. Yeah, all good. Excellent. Have we all been enjoying our autumn of riding? It's been it's been mixed on the weather front, but it's been it's not been too bad. I'm looking out the window now, longingly, um, at the sun. Um, we've been enjoying our riding recently.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely loving it. Um, weather up in Scotland's actually been really good. Um, we had a small amount of rain, which damped the damped the dust down. Uh, and now it's just back to all time, all time, full time.
0: <laughs> all time, full time. I like that.
1: So uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm actually going to head out testing after this. Once I've done eight million other things later today, this evening, tonight. So. Uh... <laughs> um yeah we'll see
0: <laughs> i'm hoping to i was going to go out testing today but um i've got a news story and a first ride to write today uh, and i'm going out boozing tonight so there won't be any evening work so i'm going to have to crack on this afternoon which i'm actually a little bit annoyed about uh luke how about you we've been riding lots
2: uh yeah been out and about a fair bit um a few bikes on the go it's always good trails have been in pretty good condition um it's always interesting that uh that first rainfall after a long dry spell and the, the top section just gets completely greasy on top and you slide around and hate it. But once it soaks in a little bit, then it's been, uh, it's been good fun to have a bit of moisture back in the dirt and uh, yeah, happy days. A bit of hero dirt.
1: Hero dirt, but the, 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 the cleanups are uh, not, not quite so. I'd forgotten about the cleanup.
2: This year, I think I am, um, I'm gonna, I've got to the age now where I think practicality over coolness is going to rain and I might even go for a rear mudguard.
1: Yes, Luke. Yes, Luke. The rear mudguard is the one. It is the, uh, what's the expression that cool people use? MVP, most valuable player. It's incredible. It is yeah. absolutely amazing. The rear mudguard is, I'm a massive proponent.
0: Mm. Which one do you guys use? I haven't got one yet, but I'll, I'll jump in.
2: Yeah,
1: the, 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 the mudhugger, the mudhugger one. Um, it, it can get a little flappy, uh, I will say uh, that the length is important. It needs to go over the back of the rear wheel. Otherwise, you're just going to get flicked up. But uh, at that length, it, it does tend to flap on uh, and, and tap a little bit on, on rougher terrain. But I have heard down the grapevine that um, the guys at Mudhugger are maybe working on a maybe working on a new one that doesn't flap so much.
0: Did you hear it on the va- rhyme directly from them?
1: Uh, well, I don't even know if I can say. I'm not, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say. So uh, uh, I'll just say uh, I've, I've made that up myself.
0: Right, we'll, we'll, we'll write a tech rumours piece on Bike radar. and we'll put that one headline and centre as yes. uh, probable.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, please do. Yeah, uh, rear mudguard. Good God, Link, you are my hero. I love you. That's
0: it. We uh, we're,
2: we're, we're go round together uh, with our rear mudguards and we'll be... Mate, clean. you stay so clean. It's insane. Yeah. You stay so clean. I was looking at the dungarees review you had as well for the pop, thinking, oh, I need some maybe some dungarees yeah. or something like
0: that uh, as well. What, what we need is is full waterproof bodysuits join me in I'm the keen one for in the that waterproof well. I'm, keen,
2: I'm keen for that what I'd
1: like if it was a full waterproof bodysuit with shoes included because uh, then you won't get any dribbles down your ankles into wet feet that yeah. would be really good so you need like. to
0: give uh, 510 a shout I did ask 510 get them to make you a, a full bodysuit with gloves yeah. as well get them yeah. to do the gloves and integrate a helmet you could have
2: hazmat suit up
1: yeah, like an astronaut, yeah, or a chemical, <laughs> chemical clean-up person.
2: Amazing. So well, well, this is th- to winter then by the sounds of it. <laughs> Always,
0: every year, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> this ties in really nicely with our, with our topic for the day. That was an, an unintended segue. Um, or was so... it?
1: Or was it really
2: well planned?
0: Well, I think if uh, listeners to the White Bearder podcast have learned anything, it's that we, we do not plan these very well.
2: I look forward to finding out the topic of the podcast when Tom introduces it now. So, who are
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, so, winter. What happens in winter, guys? Well, the sun disappears below the horizon much earlier in the day than it does in the warm, dry, buff summer months. And this This means only one thing, certainly here in the uh, upper reaches of northern latitudes, and that is night riding. Sticking some powerful lights onto your bike or onto your helmet and heading out into the woods to scare yourself silly on maybe slightly mellower trails than you usually ride because you can't really see where you're going. Now, both Al and Luke have done some extensive testing of lights this winter, so Al has been doing the big main light group test, basically the ones that go on your handlebars. Lots of power, big batteries, and hopefully plenty of performance too. And Luke has been strapping little lights to his helmet so he can see around corners a little bit better. Um, so we thought we would have a little chat about night riding, what the pros and cons are, do we enjoy it? But we're going to start off with some lights tech. So what are the batteries? What are lumens? What is a beam pattern? And how do you attach it all to your bike? Is that about right, guys? I mean, that's, that's very last minute planning. Um, but I'd I think say, that's, say that's pretty good,
1: yeah. I'd say you're pretty good. Um, I'll, I'll field a few and then we can pass the baton uh, to, to Luke. Uh, there you yeah. go. There's some more planning. Planning in progress. Um, I, I'm okay.
0: gonna going play the village idiot who doesn't know anything about night riding, despite the fact that I sometimes go night riding for fun. Can you believe it? Oh, um, and yeah, Al and Luke, you can be the experts in today's podcast. But before we crack on, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to the Bike Rider podcast, please do so and leave us a rating if you can. If you leave us a five-star rating, then it means that the podcast providers think it's a really good podcast and they recommend it to even more listeners, uh, which helps us more than it helps you probably. Um, and if you've got any questions or comments or if you'd like to tell us how great we are or maybe even how rubbish we are, don't forget to email podcast at You'll notice that we do regular tech Q&A podcasts every month or so. And We're always looking for questions from our listeners. So if you want to know anything about tech, bike tech, road bikes, gravel bikes, mountain bikes, recumbent bikes, commuter bikes, e-bikes, email us at podcast at Al, where do okay. we start?
1: Well, let, let's start with the with the most most important thing, I guess, which is uh, the lumens, the, the outputs of a of a light. You know, I mean, there's there's no point in having a light if it doesn't emit any light, right? So, lumens is a measure of light, and although it's a standard measurement in terms of the number that that you can see, you know, it, it provides context. So, one lumen is one lumen. The way that manufacturers measure their lights varies. So. One lumen from one manufacturer might be slightly different from uh, one lumen from another manufacturer. Regardless, um, if you are going night riding, mountain bike night riding, that is, we'd probably recommend around a minimum of a thousand lumens. Now that sounds like quite a lot, but you know, in reality, a thousand lumens isn't isn't a huge amount of light for one single light. Um, if you can get more than that, you know, 1500 is, is a pretty good number. Um, and this basically means that you'll be able to see, um, not the bare minimum, but you'll be able to see enough to get you going off road, basically.
0: So like, um, you'd be able to rattle around a blue loop or maybe a red loop at your local trail center quite happily with that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you can, you would probably be able to ride a blue loop fairly confidently, Slightly harder trails, you're going to have to decrease your speed, and and there's like a um, uh, a corresponding scale of how fast and confidently you can ride against how many lumens a light outputs. The more lumens the light outputs, the faster that you can ride. Uh, in this year's most recent lights group test, I tested ten lights. The highest output was eight thousand lumens. What? Oh yeah.
2: That's like a floodlight, though, isn't it? That's uh, that is. Yeah,
1: basically. Yeah, it, it it quite literally turns day into night. So
2: could you go um, eight? N- you night go-
1: into day. Sorry, night into <laughs> day.
2: Oh dear, <laughs> say, the light out of the world. Say, could you <laughs> yeah. could you ride eight times faster than a thousand lumen light?
1: Mate, there's always opportunity to go faster. The the racer in you should know that, Luke. <laughs> uh, you definitely aren't riding eight times faster. But then this is another thing price okay so you gotta think about your price more lumens generally you're going to spend more money this particular light that won the test isn't necessarily eight times more expensive than the than the least powerful one so you know there's quite there's quite a few things at play there
0: what um, was this light
1: this was the magic shine montia 8000s galaxy v 2.0 remote which is probably oh. one of the catchiest names out there
0: one of my favorites
1: um, so, yeah, it, it's the the Ma- Magic Shine Montier 8000, basically, is the, the short way of saying the name. Uh, and this has actually won the Lights Group test uh, two years in a row, with the 6,500 lumen version winning the year before, because uh, that was the maximum one. Uh, but, yeah, 8,000 8, lumens, it's, it's pretty bright. So...
0: I was riding at the weekend with 3,600 lumens and felt pretty bright. So 8,000 is... Is, is that yeah. well maybe we'll talk about some potential problems with having too much light down the line if there is one um, hot spots that sort of thing in, in the beam pattern mm-hmm. but we'll talk we'll talk the beam pattern what well, um, there are uh, is is the colour of the light important when we're talking about looms That's a, it's a different thing but colour temperature
1: yeah um, ma- massively hugely and um, th- these things are all kind of things so beam pattern, lumens, color temperature of the light emitted. All of these things can either work together or work against one another in order to create a good or a bad light. Um, Generally, the whiter or bluer a light, the the harsher or the harder it is to see with because it increases contrast and it makes your eyes, uh, makes the the whites really white. So your eyes kind of Adjust to see those bits, but then they can't see any of the shadows, and actually reduces definition. The yellower blue, uh, li- yellower greener, or slightly whiter the light, you know, on that end of the spectrum, the, the better it is.
0: Um, a warmer light, rather than a cold light.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I always remember when um I used to do a lot of night riding at university, and I had a set of um, Lumicycle halogen lights, um, which you know, halogen technology is all. It's all gone now, everyone's on on LEDs for various reasons, but it was a really beautiful, warm yellow light, and it made the trail features so easy to define. I was also running at the time a Hope R8, I think it was, but one of the very early ones with LEDs. It actually used AA batteries, I think, and that produced a very white light, and that, in comparison, Though it had numerous advantages over the slightly older Lumicycle setup was I found it really difficult to ride with you. You couldn't make out trail definitions particularly easily, and it all came down to you know the, the Hope had a lot more lumens, but the the colour temperature of the Lumicycle was was far and away better to ride with.
1: Yeah, absolutely, um, and you know I guess it's the same leak for for helmet helmet mounted lights that I, I know you've tested.
2: Yeah, so for sure, there's there's um, some that give off a very well, they're not as powerful, so the light isn't as harsh. So mine ranged between four hundred and fifty lumens up to a like a maximum of two thousand lumens. Um but they averaged out around a thousand. Um so at, at that power output or that lumen output, it's like the the light isn't as harsh as like a three thousand, four thousand lumen light, if you know what I mean. Um so I think maybe when the um I noticed less difference in like the colour temperature affecting those lights than the big main beam I had on my bike that, um, for other rides. And sometimes you turn the main beam off just to get the helmet light and see what was like. So I think that the lower the lumens, I think then I find that it's uh, the the colour wasn't so dramatic. Um, but yeah, for sure, there's the different colour lights provide all the different colour light output as such. Definitely gives different feel on the trail um, of what you can see and what you can't see as such or the, the not what you can and can't see but what your eyes pick up easier and what they don't
0: I guess the other thing with a helmet light is that the, the aspect of the light hitting the ground is different to a bar light because you're a couple of foot higher up so maybe the, the little dips uh, sort of minimise a little bit more with a, a light that's sort of projecting down on the trail more than across the top of the trail
2: Yeah, I guess you don't get such long shadows as such when you're pointing more directly down as you do spreading the light out further in front of you
1: and that's an interesting point you made about the um the power of your helmet helmet mounted lights um because you know we're talking about eight thousand lumen here i'm talking about you know just using one one light on your handlebars whereas um we'll talk about this again in a second is that the beam pattern here and with a helmet light you can see around corners that sounds a bit of a weird thing to say but the light points where you're looking and frequently when you're mountain biking, you're always looking at the next bit of the trail, or, or at least you, you know, you should be if you're any good. I mean, I, I, I can't talk about that from personal experience. I'm always, uh,
0: <laughs> you are terrible at riding bikes. I'm always
1: struggling. Um, but, you know, so, so with a helmet mounted light, you're, you're going to be pointing your bike is still, you know, either towards the apex of the turn, but you're, you're already looking at the exit. Um, so, you know, how, how did that kind of work out for you, Luke, with the, with the power and stuff?
2: yeah so i again i think that's more the more powerful lights just give you that extra field of vision that extra depth of, of field as well um that this sends more light down the trail so whichever direction your head is looking whether that's at the front wheel or the next jump or around the turn you know you you just get to illuminate that extra extra bit of trail so um in that way you'd say are oh, like the, the more powerful lights are the ones that did better in the test you know what i mean because they brighten up the trail and it helps you to ride easier and pick out the features you want to ride over and the ones you want to avoid um so having i say a, not always the most powerful is necessary but certainly uh, a light with good power helps pick out where you're looking because often like you say you're you're looking further down the trail than where you're handlebar light is facing as such um and again it helps a little bit with beam pattern here that um if you've got kind of a more f- focused beam pattern you can pick out kind of highlights of where you're looking and the handlebar light can sp- is, is useful to have it to spread out a bit more to pick up wider like the trail environment as such and where you look you can pick out more details yeah, I think that- exactly
1: exactly yeah. And that highlights the differences between the needs of the two different types of light perfectly. For one that's mounted to your bike, you want the broadest possible spread of light. So if it's on your handlebars, it needs to be spreading its light as widely as possible and casting it a long way down the trail too. So you want side to side spread and a long throw is, is what is what the, the correct terminology is. But then with a helmet mounted light, you want that to be hyper-focused I mean, not like with sharp cutoffs on the beam either side, but you want there to be a real bright central point of light um, because it's where you're looking, you know, that's the bit that you want to be uh, increased in intensity with how much light is, is put on it. Um, yeah, exactly.
0: Should we talk about downsides or like maybe a poor um, beam spread? So I, as I was riding with some lights over the weekend and it was, a, it was a, an exposure. Um, is a brand new six pack. I think it's Mark Twelve or Mark Thirteen. And one of the things that they said they've done is they have improved the, uh, the beam pattern and removed hotspots from it. So before, obviously, there was like a, an, a you know a, a, a light beam that went out, but there were certain points within that beam that were brighter than others, and that still exists because obviously the peripheral side of it maybe doesn't need to be quite so bright. But they've smoothed out those um, that beam pattern, so there's less intense hotspots of light so to speak on the ground so what is a hotspot and why is it problematic Al?
1: yeah so a hotspot I guess you you could liken it to um if you if you look up the look up at the sky and you accidentally look at the sun um you know if the you sun is the hotspot. yeah exactly the, the hot spot in the in it, the hot the sun is the hot spot in the sky um, and what happen is that you won't be able to see anything else because your eyes will Poorly, I will say, adapt to looking at the sun. So it's the same in in the lights. If you've got a really hyper focused hotspot of light, it's going to reduce how much you can see outside of that hotspot because your eyes will try their hardest to adapt to the brightest part. You know, you have no choice in that. That's just what your eyes will do. Um, This has a few problems. One, it means that um, you won't be able to see the bits that are slightly darker, that are cast, you know, that have less light on them, that are essentially now in shadow. But also it, it bleaches out the, the ground, it bleaches out what you're seeing and it can reduce the definition, the, the kind of the contours and the complexity of the trail and the obstacles that you're looking at because it's just putting so much light on it, it actually flattens things. Um, and I, I really noticed this with lights that had super intense areas. They, they were quite fatiguing to, to ride with and, and quite a bit harder to ones that had a more even spread.
0: Okay, so I think in summary, if we're going to talk about the actual light that is emitted from your lights, whether it's on your helmet or on your bars, what you want is as many lumens as you can kind of get away with because more lumens, generally speaking, is a good thing. But you want to make sure that the light that comes out isn't too cold. You want a little bit of warmth from that light beam. And In terms of the spread of light on a bar, you want something that's really wide that illuminates as much as possible, really but without too many intense hotspots which can sort of draw your focus away from the sort of more peripheral bits of your vision. Whereas on the head, you want something that is a bit more focused because that's pointing where your head is turned. Not always where your eyes are, but where your head is turned and that's going to help you pinpoint the little bits of trail that are really going to help you navigate your way down a bit of single track.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely.
0: Brilliant. Well, let's move on from the actual light that's emitted then. Let's talk about the batteries because obviously you can't have a light without a battery unless you're Jack Luke and you've got a dynamo on your bike. Um, but not many mountain bikers do. So let's talk batteries. Al, milliamp hours, uh, yeah. What hours, hours, watts, volts, <laughs> I don't know Tells, what's going t- on t- with all, all that. i words. I'm, I'm spewing out my electrical knowledge.
1: Um, so uh, a, a fairly high capacity uh, battery on a handlebar light is, is around 10,000 milliamp hours. Um, and that's usually going to be a fairly chunky uh, separate battery pack so one that is not built into the head unit of the light that's joined to the head unit with a cable Um, and uh, on that 8000 lumen light uh, I think that has a 10,000 amp hour battery or roughly thereabouts Um, and that lasted for um an hour and thirty-eight minutes on full power. in
0: If you decided to use all of the
1: power. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was in the ten thousand uh, eight thousand lumen setting uh on the bench test with cooling fans to make sure that it stayed in its, you know, in its top mode. Um so you know, an hour and a half on full power, that's pretty pretty flipping good to be honest with you. Um, you know, you you, you cut cut your output in half to four thousand lumens, you're gonna double your runtime. It's pretty simple. Um you know, and I know Luke that the how uh, helmet-mounted uh, lights that they want to be lighter, right? Which normally means smaller batteries, etc.
2: Yeah, I do. So the helmet lights I tested, they were all um, had internal batteries as such, so they weren't connected by a cable. Um, and that's got pros and cons, I think, on your helmet. One, it's you don't have to try and have a cable running down. And a battery stored on you, your body somewhere. I mean, whether that's in a bib or a backpack or something like that. It's just, it's just all in one place on the top of your helmet. Um, and the downsides of that are then you're carrying the battery and the weight of the light on the top of your head as well. So, um, but batteries tend. To, I think my the largest size battery on the group of tests I did was five thousand milliamp hours. Um, but they were roughly around the two and a half thousand as such. So as a probably an average um and weight wise they kind of it's i think of an average but around 150 200 grams i guess um extra to the top of your head which is it's surprisingly unnoticeable when i was riding really like i never felt that the helmet became um i was concerned about it moving around or wobbling or shifting side to side forwards or backwards like it's even though you have that extra weight, it's a, if you can mount it quite centrally, um, the helmet lights were fine. But again, they are the smaller internal battery capacity because they don't have to power so many lumens as such. It was between say like like 450 and, and up to 2000. But um, but yeah, like burn time again, it was between around an hour hour twenty is the like on full capacity is what you'd get out of it if you know what I mean. So um, again.
0: I guess with a helmet like that's the one you're more likely to be toggling on and off as you you know you're not going to use a helmet like when you're schlepping up a fire road you're just going to turn it on at the top of the trail
2: exactly on um,
0: those details
2: yeah and so like you can yeah, have it on highest power setting mode for riding down and then as soon as if it's you're climbing back up or undulating you can turn it off or reduce the power setting so I never the testing I did I never ran out of battery for the helmet lights if you know what I mean and it, it wasn't significantly more use than the the larger front lights on the handlebar, such
0: did you toggle between power settings on the on the on the handlebar lights at all while you were testing or did you just stick it in large, in in high and crack on
1: no it's the same i'd I, I toggle it if i'm out for you know a, a proper ride um just on the same you know on a fire road climb you you don't need you don't need any power basically you can you can almost do it um using using just carrots um you know just get the eyes working now yeah and, and then you know as soon as the terrain gets technical yeah absolutely bump it up um there are definitely some lights that are easier to bump up and um some lights a bit harder um but you know what that does is it basically it, it, it saves your battery life um which is great and it means that it keeps the battery for when you need it which is when you're hitting technical terrain whether that's descending or climbing you know the more light you've got um the better basically
0: when it, when it comes to charging lights, I remember back in the day, you had to be, there were lots of different types of battery. There's Li-Ion l- and NIM, I don't know what they were. You know, all the different sort of like chemical uh, things. And they each needed slightly different ways of charging. Some you could just trickle charge, some you had to take off once it finished charging, some you had to be really careful that it didn't explode. Um, How <laughs> have we got to the point now where you can just plug it in and then just leave it overnight?
1: Uh, I, I think lithium ion batteries which are now the most common i think they like to stay between a certain range of charge i think it's something like between 30 and 80 percent of their capacity is is what they prefer to be charged left at and charged between um so completely depleting and completely maxing out your battery um while won't have you know won't really have any short-term detrimental effects it could impact the longevity of its life um but you know the the modern chargers are pretty clever modern batteries are pretty clever they have inbuilt software that protects them that stops them getting damaged you know it's not like a lead acid car battery anymore you know we're not not lugging those around um so you know i i think you can be um i think you can be pretty i don't think you need to pay too much attention to it basically
0: that's good as someone who quite forgetful i'm quite happy yeah. that. i'm not going to need to do that so in i i'm going to talk about um the way that the lights are mounted to the handlebars uh and to the helmet i'm also going to talk about or we're going to talk about how to control them and i'd also like to ask about the special features that some of the lights uh may or may not have and the more you spend the more fancy electronics goes into them
1: yeah um, did any of your lights have any crazy features link um
2: yes sir. the the exposure light Zenith Mark II, that um, has technology that will change light intensity depending on speed, um, and then instead of having to press buttons, you can just tap the light as a whole, and it will toggle through settings. Um, which has pros and cons. Um,
0: Talk but to uh, me but about that pros and cons.
2: <laughs> the pros and cons are getting it to work properly. You know, it's right. setting up the modes. Like exposure lights, they they have quite a detailed instruction manual, and it's best to follow that. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, so I totally recommend. echo that. Read the instructions.
2: Yeah, and uh, most of the other lights uh, are, are quite uh, straightforward and they were more on, off, uh, holding the power button down and then, you know, just press the button for a short time to toggle through different settings. Um, a, a few lights had, you know, you could change between flashing modes and constant modes, but um, and not within, like, the same toggle setting you had to, go into a different setting as such by holding it down for two seconds rather than one second for example but um but most of the lights generally the helmet lights were were quite simple yeah so you had like a low a medium a high and a flash um some had a few more settings than that and the the exposure one was the i mean it was by far the most expensive light and uh has the most output as well it has the most features but um with that it does come complexity, so yeah definitely if you if you're investing in an exposure light, read the read the instruction manual.
0: Uh, what were your thoughts were any anything particularly interesting on in any of your lights?
1: um I'd say a well executed remote is certainly uh, worth its worth its' I, I not weight because they're very light, but um you know that they're very useful um, especially if you like changing modes. Um, so if you're on particularly undulating trails or you've forgotten, for example, to up your light uh, when you hit a descent, rather than having to completely remove your hand from the handlebar and reach for the, you know, the main head units button, um, a, a remote is, is you know, it, it's a great thing to have right next to your grips. There are good remotes and bad remotes. Um, the thing that brands seem to not be able to do well is uh, attach the remotes to their handlebars. Um, So Lupine, for example, do this impeccably. They do it really well. The bungee strap that they use to attach the light remote to the handlebars is really tight and really easy to take on and off. This means that when you reach for the light in a bit of a, the remote in a bit of a rush, you don't bash it around and it doesn't move everywhere. Some brands use massively long Velcro tabs and the handlebar near the grip is tiny in diameter. And you're not going to be putting the remote in the central bit of the handlebar where it's fatter. You're going to be putting it you know, near the grip because otherwise what's the point in having a, having a remote button? So remotes that fell off the bars or twisted around, they're kind of pointless. But the ones that didn't, they really highlighted how useful it was. Um, and I guess I'll echo Luke's comments on the exposure. Um, I tested the six-pack Mark 12, which is uh, exposure's latest six-pack light Um, this did have their reflex plus plus technology, I think it's called, which is, uh, where you use accelerometers and a gyroscope or whatever other stuff in.
0: And there's a heat sensor in there as well.
1: Yeah. all, All these, all these fancy bits of tech to basically increase or decrease light output, depending on the type of terrain that you were riding. Um, this meant I could just leave the light in one setting and forget about it. And you know, it was, it was really cool. I mean, it was genuinely really cool. It. Its reaction times to getting brighter or darker were quick. Um, it faded down to darkness gradually, so it let your eyes adapt to the change in light. So suddenly, you weren't plunged into absolute darkness. Uh, but then, going up the other way to the light setting, it was pretty much instant. As soon as you shook the handlebars or hit a bump or whatever, the power output increased massively. Um, and you know, I, I thought that was one of the best one of the best lights there in terms of. The functionality of it um, and lack of interference required on my behalf to get it to work as I expected.
0: Let's talk about mounting the lights to your bike. Um, I think there's probably more. Well, I'm going to assume there's more to say about helmet ones than uh, bar ones because the bars a diameter, whereas helmets have got lots of vents. They've got stuff. You know, you've got a bit weight distribution. There's straps. Is it plugs? Is it what's going on? What's good in the world of helmet mounting brackets?
2: Um, to be honest, most of them were okay. I didn't have any mounting options that, um, that like failed in any way or didn't hold the light securely. It's a little bit to do with your helmet as well and where the vent placement is. Some helmets work better for holding the light, like centrally, if there's like a center channel or not that you can, um, see me do my actions with my hands there. But, uh, if the, if your helmet has like a, um, a centre channel then often the light has to be just fractionally to the side so it doesn't sit in the middle of the helmet because um, that's where the vent is and sometimes if helmets have a like vents just slightly to the side and the and the centre channel of the helmet is um, foam for example then you can mount the light um, more evenly like in the centre of the helmet. So it's it depends what helmet you have as to where you can put the light on it. Um, most of the um most of the mounts, that's the word I'm looking for, were um, velcro strapped on. Um, there was a couple where you thread I don't know what the technical term is for them, but the, the mount from inside the light and on top when you thread it together and it and it um squashes around the helmet foam and then the light clips onto that. But they're all relatively easy to to attach. It's just more depending what helmet you're using as to where they attach on your helmet.
1: Did, uh, did you have any issues with uh, light mount tightness with the Velcro straps and the straps kind of getting attached to the sweat liners inside the helmet and getting in the way of MIPS and all sorts of stuff like that?
2: So not, not, not significantly that I find really annoying. What's, um, what is sometimes annoying is where you're trying to pull the Velcro tight enough, but it's in a small space and then it always hooks on something before you've got the correct tension. And uh, and it takes you a few goes to try and tension the velcro straps properly without them interfering with something. But once they're once they're there, it's it's not too bad. And um, I used a a, a fox. Um, I say proof? No, not speed frame. Fox speed frame and a trolley A three helmet. So they were kind of the two helmets I tested on. Um, And I can't say, like, I had any interference with, like, Velcro getting stuck in hair or, or, like, pulling on my person as such. But just sometimes a bit fiddly to thread the Velcro through and get it tensioned properly. But once it's in place, they were.
1: Some lights come with um, uh, uh, GoPro-style mounts, don't they?
2: Some lights, yeah. So um, I didn't have one in this one, but I have tested a a moonshine light before. Um, I think that's the name of it. And that had a, just, a moon, good,
1: th- just moon, I think.
2: Just moon. moon. Yeah. <laughs> just moon. Uh, and that was had a good GoPro light mount. But none of the lights I tested were um yeah, I used a GoPro mount. I just used um the standard Velcro mounts they came with. Or okay. the, the the thread-together mounts. Yeah, interesting. Um,
0: anything um anything on the bars, Al, worth mentioning about bar yeah. mounts?
1: De- definitely. Um uh, it's it's not necessarily I mean there's a couple of things. One of them is uh, the out-front positioning of a light. So if your head unit's quite slim and the bar clamp uh, positions it in front of the stem, so centrally over the middle of the bars, I found that to be better than ones that had the light kind of over the top of the handlebars or or kind of off to the side slightly. It just means that the beam is slap-bang in the middle. It also keeps it more out of the way of other things. So if you've got a Garmin or whatever else, on your handlebars you've got more room to mount other peripheries um another thing would be a uh, tool tool free bar clamps so um trying to i mean this, this is a problem pretty much exclusive to testing but trying to change bar mounts in the night between one another when you've got a tiny little two and a half millimeter allen bolt and you're having to insert it upwards so against gravity into the bar clamp is quite tricky um so for removing your lights from your handlebars quickly and easily and not losing any of the constituent parts of the clamp it's great for ones of a small quick release lever that just clamps up the tension onto the handlebar um like a you know a a tiny little qr thing um which is you know really good
2: i can second you there al if you're going out riding it's wise to get everything set up and attached before it's dark. Yes.
1: Yeah. Could not agree more. <laughs> yeah. In the comfort <laughs> yeah. of your of your garage, garden, shed, living room, exactly, wherever yeah. it is, that you do your bike yeah, When out
2: on the trail trying to swap things around, it's uh, it's a fiddle and more frustrating. Yes. And um, and be careful, like I say, with the helmet lights. That there's an extra couple of inches on the top of your head. I would often forget and get back in the van and whack <laughs> on the top of the <laughs> roof of the van. So. Yeah. So be aware it's not so it didn't happen so much on the trail but you, you do end up ducking things a little bit more yeah. even though you don't need to apart from i somehow only remembered that on the trail and not when i was you know climbing in and out of the van and <laughs> just kept knocking the lights so be aware that if there things are on top of your helmet that there's a good chance of just knocking them occasionally
0: okay yeah. well i think we've covered off like the hardware the, the physical aspects of, of of lights should we talk very quickly about the actual experience of riding at night. Um, I'll start because, I don't know. <laughs> I You're really like boss. it on the bus. I really like it. I find it really fun. It's um, I maybe wouldn't necessarily go and ride like the most challenging trails that are out there, the steepest, gnarliest tracks at night. Um, so what it does, it means those trails that maybe in the daytime you'd sort of put along, thinking, "Oh, this is a bit <whistles> a bit boring." Um, Suddenly so become a little bit more exciting. Um, and of course, there's the added terror um, of where the wolves are coming from and the bears and, the, and all the, the baddies are going to come and catch you from. I know, Luke, you get terrified at night out on your own. Um, I, I quite like the adrenaline of it. Um, recently, I did, uh, I did some racing, I did an Enduro race, the X Enduro. Um, Sponsored by Munro, powered by Shimano. As I have I'm, to say. I'm not
1: sure if you've mentioned this enduro race. It's becoming <laughs> the, uh, it's becoming 2022's Marin Elroy.
0: <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, but I only mention it because it has. They have three night stages in the race, um, and they are exciting. Let me put it. Let me say, um, the uh, yeah, racing at night is is a thrill that rarely one has, um, especially an enduro. Um, and they 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 didn't really hold back. Um, two of the stages were incredibly fast, like just flat out. Even in the daytime, you just flat out full gas. Uh, and at night, it was um, yeah very exciting. And then another one which is tight and twisty through the trees and, and a slightly different experience, also an awful
2: lot of fun. So yeah,
0: I I really enjoy it. Um, what about you guys?
2: Go on, Lake.
1: Let's hear let's hear your ghost story.
2: Oh, not right in. No, like. It terrifies me. I'm well spooked of the at night. Uh, like, going go out testing on my own this is uh, yeah, a creepy experience. Like, the thing I noticed, well, yeah, apart from being hyper alert of all the extra noises around you, you're not quite sure how far away they are or not. But um, but I noticed, obviously, when you've got the helmet lights on, that's your only source of light. When you move, obviously, or look where you're going, move the light, it, it moves. But the shadows then move. Mm. So all of a sudden, you start thinking, Oh, there's something. There's a shadow moving. That's something, and and it's not. It's just because you're looking a different direction. But yeah, it freaks me out on my own. So I've, I'm now trying to convince the uh, powers that be, so Tom and Robin, that next year's lights test has to be done in uh, in teams. It can't be done on solo testing anymore <laughs> because I'm too spooked out by the woods on my own at dark. I have uh, a couple of night rides like um, with groups of friends, and it, and it it is fun. Like when you go out with other people. It's yeah far more enjoyable. We did a a couple of years ago a photo shoot at MBUK um up Bike Park Wales in the dark for MBUK, and that was hilarious. You know, I mean, really enjoyed that. And um, but yeah, going out on my own in the dark is uh I'm not the biggest fan of it. Let's see, uh, that I find that spooky.
0: I think the thing is, obviously, if you're out on your own at night, it's you know you're even in the woods in the daytime. You know, if you have a little uh, a little whoopsie. Tends to be a little bit easier to get out if you uh, if you throw yourself at night. You just you have to be a little bit more careful. Like I think, you sort of turn it down from eleven down to maybe a seven or eight on the effort scale. Is that fair? Or are you just full yeah? Gas? For sure, I
2: definitely feel. Oh no, I feel far more vulnerable at night. Yeah, like, but yeah, it's uh, it's not to say it isn't it isn't fun, but I am more considerate of the the environment around me than I would be just in the day.
0: Fair.
1: How about and you, then, Al? Um, are you so, uh, are you a big fan of it? Do you enjoy it? I definitely, uh, I definitely used to be. Um, <laughs> so uh, back in Dorset, which is which is where I'm from, um, a local bike shop called Mud Mud Sweat and Gears, based out of based out of Weymouth, Weybeetha. They used to um, they used to do weekly weekly night rides, which were awesome fun. On a Thursday night, we'd all start start and stop at the same pub, do a you Know two and a half hour loop up to 20 30 of us would come out on these rides like a proper, proper laugh, proper hoot. Really good. Um, like everyone's saying, on your own experiences is, is you know a little, little damped, I'd say. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's slightly less, uh, less fun, but there's definitely ways you can make it fun. So, obviously, being in the fortunate position to test these lights, it means that I can, you know, I've had access to, to them over the last few years. And I remember last year I attached two of the magic shine 8000 lumen lights to my handlebars and one of the six and a half thousand lumen lights also to my handlebars so i had three of these lights on my bars at once and it was literally like riding at daytime i mean it was indistinguishable between day and night on the trails. And, you know, Strava's a bit of a joke and it's a bit silly, but I actually got some of my fastest times that I have ever got on any of the tracks that I've ever ridden on that particular ride. Um, you know, and it, it's just great fun. It is genuinely awesome. And, you know, it, it either makes technical tracks insane or easy tracks a challenge. And, you know, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, obviously you do all the sensible things like tell people where you're going, what time you're back bring spare layers, have your mobile phone, be sensible, etc. But also go out and have your bike. Yeah, it's great fun. Yeah, just go do it. Yeah, be good.
0: i say the one time when I found that riding challenging or more, or maybe less enjoyable in the rain, in the mist and in the snow, because, and at that point, like different lights perform differently because obviously the, the light bounces off the raindrops or the mist drops or the snow drops, no, the snow drops, the snow flakes. Flakes. And, um, Actually makes it really bloody difficult to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like like uh, like out of Star Wars when you
0: Yes. When you, uh, oh well that's the, that's Star the flip side of it is that yeah. it can be quite cool if you're like buzzing down a road flat out and you've got like the snow like yeah. um yeah, yeah, you get your little lightsaber out and Darth vader it all. Um that's what you did, isn't it? Um I haven't watched Star Wars. Um or Star Trek. Um but it is a bit challenging. I, I tend to find in those situations having a light lower down makes things a little bit easier. It's kind of like having fog lights on your car. They're, they're down on the bumper rather than up on the bonnet. Um, for some reason, it seems to help, but it's a bit more challenging then, I guess. The other question I wanted to ask is, if you're riding in a group at night, what is your take on running a rear light when you're riding? Do you leave it on? Do you turn it off? Do you have it flashing? Obviously on the road, because we all ride legally and safely, we have it turned on, but when you're buzzing down a trail where there's no cars, what do you do?
1: Uh, full, full strobe to Make sure the person behind <laughs> you can't keep up. Excellent. No, no, you, you should turn it off. That's the that is the the nice polite thing to do because uh, yeah, no one wants to give give the person behind issues with their with their eyes or potential yeah pro- health problems potentially.
0: <laughs> and on a, on a on a similar note, if you uh, if you're riding with a, with friends, it, it tends to be good to leave a little gap. Certainly, if you've got the more powerful light. Don't ride behind your mate because then they'll be riding in their own shadow, and that is incredibly, <laughs> incredibly off-putting. Um, yeah, I've done that a few time. I've done quite a few twenty-four hour races, and uh, the night laps can be challenging. When someone you've got, you know, you're trying to preserve your battery life because you're doing it in a pair or you're doing it solo, so you've got to get through a whole night uh, with with your lights, and then someone in a in a group of four or a team of ten comes around with a few thousand lumens, illuminating your back um, and completely. Uh, making this trail in front of you impossible to see um so just be aware of other people because it's slightly different to riding of the day
1: yeah definitely yeah cool
0: cool well um we've prattled on for over 40 minutes about night riding which is longer than we expect to talk about it but um alan luke have you got any closing thoughts on night riding i can see luke you're you're winding yourself up to say something
2: Oh, no, i would say give it a go like while it spooks the hell out of me it's uh like doing it on my own the times i've been out with friends and uh it is good fun and it is a laugh and um no doubt something uh hilarious will happen you you won't read the trail perfectly so expect mistakes and expect small trips into the bushes um but it, yeah it's uh if you do it on your own and you enjoy that then fair enough i mean it's not for me maybe tom we have to go out this winter together and uh and and we can rattle out some rides, but um, but definitely give it a go. Don't be off put by uh, the noises you hear in the woods or the, or the shadows you see creeping around you that are just you moving. But it's uh, excellent. What about you? It's good fun. What about you, Al?
1: Yeah, uh, I think mine would be like the, the sensible approach, which is uh, spend as much as you can, uh, buy the most powerful lights you can and uh, prioritize in the first instance, buying a handlebar light and then supplementing it with a helmet mounted light. Uh, because riding with just a helmet-mounted light can be quite disorientating. Um, it's quite surprising, actually, because the, although the beam's shining where you, your head is looking, it removes light in front of you, which kind of completely gets rid of any context on the trail, and there's so much going on that you don't normally uh, think you're doing in the daytime for little cues that you can see. Um, so yeah, definitely spend as much as you can, brightest light you can get, uh, and buy a bar-mounted light first.
0: Super. Well, we'll leave it as that. Um, Don't forget, full reviews of every single light that both Al and Luke have tested will be working its way onto Bike Radar very soon, and we'll have updated lists of the best lights for mountain biking on BikeRadar.com. And also, the reviews will also be in MBUK magazine, which you should definitely go out and buy and subscribe to, So it comes through your letterbox every month. It's a brilliant mountain bike magazine Though we do say so ourselves. Okay, well, thank you ever so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review if you've enjoyed this podcast. And email us podcast at bikeradar.com to leave any questions, comments, suggestions, or anything else you want to say to the team at Bike Radar. Right, thank you all, and thank you, Luke, and we'll catch you all next time.